take these two elements that remind us of an unbelievable sacrifice of love poured out so richly and so freely to people who didn't deserve it, yet we receive it gracefully. And so God be glorified in all that we do during this time together this morning. You are holy, you are mighty, and we're just thrilled that we can sing and celebrate your name. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Good morning. It is a great privilege to have you here at Community Alliance Church. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving with family and friends. I know we did. Went to my sister-in-law's house. She said, I thought our house was large at one point until it's now full. But we're just delighted that you're here. I know a lot of people return over Thanksgiving weekend. One of the things we wanted to do this morning is kind of set aside James for a while. Actually, we're going to set it aside for quite a while until the first of the year. We finished the last piece of chapter 1 last Sunday morning. We talked about what religion looks like, kind of compared it to communion. If you were here last Sunday morning and talked about doing religious function, sometimes in a Sunday morning experience, and God said, what I love to see is what happens beyond this experience here. And a lot of what we talked about last Sunday morning as we ended, especially at the end when I wrapped it up, and there was just a lot of information that I shared with you, are ways that we can get connected with things that are going on in the community. We try to open our arms better here than maybe what we have done before in, the, in years past to let people come and use our facilities on a regular basis, but we also want to take our arms and take them out to this community, and many do that in a variety of ways. And I'm really grateful to be a part of that and watch it take place. Sandra was here last Sunday morning from Bethany Christian Fellowship, and afterwards she said, I have not had quite an experience like this where so many people signed up to be a safe family. Over four and a half pages of names and addresses were written down of people who wanted to be a safe family. So instead of the state walking into a situation, believers in Christ can be there to help them out for a while. And I just want to thank you for that. She will be in contact with you. She just said, I was overwhelmed, of course, Thanksgiving break, with how many people wanted to be a help to so many different folks. And so thank you for that. And on her behalf, we thank you as well. Had a number of people respond to the service. How can we be involved in homeless ministry or a shelter of some way? And we're trying to work that out. So you you keep in touch with me or my secretary, Linda, and we'll try to get that information out to you. One gal did write me after the service and said she's a part of a ministry in town with Catholic Charities called Safe Harbor. And they're doing that. Her name is Heidi Christie. She goes here to our church. And if you want to be immediately connected with a ministry that's helping out the homeless, she would be a great contact. You can contact us and we'll get you in touch with her. But so many times we hear said in a community like ours, because you don't walk by them during the streets or during the day, there aren't any homeless in Butler. And she said, it's not really true. That's what's been said. But we take out on a regular basis, almost every weekend, to uh, people, blankets, food, to people who really are homeless in this community. So often when you go down to the streets of Pittsburgh, you may see it or under a bridge somewhere, and we don't think it's here, and it is. And Heidi's ministry or Heidi's involved with Safe Family or Safe Harbor would be a great way for you to be connected all of our angel trees were taken, so we're very grateful for that. Also wanted to let you know that if you're in a small group, community or Center for Community Resources is connected with Pastor Ted here in our church. And what they do is, is send us a need. Maybe it's a one-time need or a week-long need or a certain situation that people can help with. And Ted feeds those out to small groups, and they're immediately picked up. Matter of fact, the gal that runs this with... Center for Community Resources, I think, contacts us on a regular basis because she knows they'll get picked up at Community Alliance Church. Thank you for doing that. 
But if you're in a small group and are not connected with that or don't know about it, but you love, hopefully your group is connected with each other, love one another, I love our group. But you also want to minister beyond your group to other people. And that's a great way to do community service in an organized way. And just contact Ted here at church, Ted H. at Butler CAC. If you need money, whatever you need, you need thousands of dollars, Ted H. at butlercac.org. <laughs> just see what happens if you do. Just write him. But write Ted and say, you know, our small group would love to minister beyond our walls. And he'll send that to you, and he'll send you the list, and then the first one that gets it does it. But they really go fast. And we're very grateful for your willingness to participate. And those who are either less fortunate or just struggling with some difficult situations. That's what the church ought to do. That's what we ought to be. And I'm just grateful for those who do that on a regular basis. In Psalm 78, David rehearses the goodness of God. Over and over again, this particular weekend, many of you have been doing that. One of this weekend, of all weekends, knowing a lot of folks come back. I've seen some visitors already this morning who are here because of Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of you over the last few days have probably been rehearsing the goodness of God in your own life. We gathered together on Thursday, and we did. Our, our kids were there. Our grandkids were there. Julian's doing great for the hundreds of you that ask. Well, the two of you that ask. But we're just grateful for what God has done. And, and just watching this little guy who's gone through so much and to see where he's at today is just a thrill. Many of you have been doing that over the last few days, just rehearsing the goodness and greatness of God. In Psalm 78, David does it over and over again. He wants to remind the people hundreds of years after the escape from Israel, or the escape from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, the quail provided by God, hundreds of years later, David is rehearsing that and reminding him over and over again of the goodness and greatness of God. One of the concerns that God seemed to have in the Old Testament when the people of Israel got into the promised land is not the enemies they would face, although that was a concern. It wasn't building a new territory and developing a new kingdom, although that was going to take place. One of the concerns of God that seemed to resonate all the way through those first century days into the new promised land is that they would forget what God did. They would plant vineyards that weren't theirs. They would be able to reap the benefits of being in the promised land. And then somewhere along the way, maybe they would come to the point where they would forget who gave them that and who provided it for them. They would somehow enjoy the blessings of God and, and forget the giving that God did. I find it fascinating of all the things that Jesus said on the night he was betrayed in that upper room experience. He said over and over again, remember me. How could anyone forget that the Savior of the world came and died on the cross? How could anyone ever forget the incredible gift of life that Christ has offered us through salvation? And yet two times that particular night in that upper room experience, he said, every time you do this, I want you to remember me. As if we would forget. But it can easily happen. Even in our own nation, we have over the last few days, as I said a moment ago, spent a lot of time in celebration and thanksgiving. And sometimes then the events go on and life goes on and we get busy and we forget what we have received. In the original thanksgiving in 1621, they declared three days during the Revolutionary War, eight days of thanks were celebrated. 1879, George Washington declared that it was the duty of all people, of all nations, to acknowledge the providence of God, to be grateful for His benefits. Finally, President Lincoln made it an official day where 
all of America stops and celebrates as well as thanks is presented and given for all the benefits that we've received. We're one of the richest nations on the planet, if not the richest nation on the planet, sharing in over 50% of this world's wealth, yet only having 6% of the world's population. But if we're not careful, it's easy to forget. Last Sunday morning, we were watching the announcements, and it was an announcement about a missions trip going to the Dominican Republic, and it's an opportunity for those of us who maybe have never experienced it before or you've done it once or twice to go and share with people who are in difficult situations, just to love on them, to share with them, to praise with them, to build a church, to participate in VBS or some of those kinds of activities. When I watched the clip, I, I thought of something that I want to share with you in a moment, which is really where the sermon title came from. Watch the clip and see if you notice what I noticed. Now, what do you notice? I mean, not old people dancing, but besides that. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chuck. You know, the Dominican Republic is one of the poorest places on this planet. That these people were incredibly happy, celebrating the goodness and greatness of God. And it struck me, and that's where I put the title down this morning, that Thanksgiving is not an event or a day, it's an attitude. It's an attitude about life, it's a response to life. It's a response to the goodness of God. Wonderful that we have a day. It's wonderful that we set aside that day so that we can give thanks and, and say thank you. But I realized when I watched that in some of the poorest people on the planet having so much to give praise and adoration for that I realized that Thanksgiving is not an event or a day. It's an attitude of the heart. It is an overflow of the heart. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have so unbelievably much to be thankful for said a couple of weeks ago, in the midst of the context of James chapter 1, when Paul reminded us in Ephesians, and James reminds us here, where we were without Christ, lost and absolutely no hope. Paul said we were dead in our trespasses and sin, and Christ raised us from the dead and gave us new life. We have forgiveness, we have family, we have the future at our disposal, we have all the things that God has provided for us. Amazing grace, continual care, overwhelming love, the promise of his power, no matter what we go through, as James says, I'll be there for you and with you. I will never leave you. I will never, ever forsake you. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have so much to be thankful for. That it's not just a day or an event. It is an overflow of our heart. And every time we center ourselves around this table, we are again reminded of the amazing grace of God. And what comes to us as a result of receiving Jesus as our Savior. Family therapist Paul Faulkner tells the story of a man who set out to adopt a daughter who was already in her teenage years. Defied logic in many cases because of what she had been through and what she was going to bring into that home. She was destructive, disobedient, dishonest. One day she came home from school and ransacked the house looking for money. By the time he had arrived home, the house was in shambles and the girl was gone. When his friends found out what he was all about and what had taken place, they said to him, don't finalize the adoption. Let her go. After all, she's really not your daughter. His response was simple. He said, I know, but I told her she was. 
And that's all that matters. God made a covenant between us and himself, and that was that he would bring us into his family and call us his own. It wasn't invalidated by a rebellion. It was one thing if God would have loved us because we were strong, independent, and obedient and willing, but we were far from perfect. Yet he loved us enough to send his son to rescue us in our condition and offer us amazing grace. One of my favorite Old Testament stories is one I probably have shared before. The story of Mephibosheth. He was the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, leaving the throne occupied by David. Now, in those days, when a king took over from a defeated king, he would exterminate everybody from his family of that other king. David had no intention of doing that, but the family of Saul didn't know that, so they hurried in their escape to try to get out of town. In that hurry, this little five-year-old boy was dropped out of the nurse's hand, fell on his feet, and they were crippled, crippled probably forever. For the rest of his life, he would be a cripple. David remembered a promise that he had made to Jonathan a long time ago that he would take care of his family, that he would be there for him. Two decades had gone by since this little boy escaped the family. David is now seeing the blessings of God, the goodness of God. His kingdom had doubled ten t- or has increased ten times, an enormous amount of peace. There wasn't a battle that David was participating in now that he ever lost. And at one point of reflection, after all of this year of separation, he finds himself saying, is there a relative of Jonathan's, is there a relative of Saul's that I can show kindness to? Is there anyone from Saul's family left? that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake. It wasn't a political maneuver. It wasn't that he was seeking to be applauded by people. He wasn't doing it so that he could get anything in return. It was just an overflow of his heart. And in that context, he remembered a promise that he had made to Jonathan a long time ago. And driven by that one thought of someone who had rescued him, who saved him, who realized David at that point probably wouldn't be where he was had it not been for Jonathan wanted to do something in return. So he gets the word out. A servant named Ziba says, I I know of a descendant. He had a son still living in another place who was crippled in both feet. David's response, where is this son? I wonder how long it had been since Mephibosheth had been referred to as a son by anyone. In all his previous references all the way through, he is simply called a cripple, yet no mention in David's case of any affliction that he had, just simply, where is this son? Maybe you know what it's like to be known for your past instead of where you are right now. And for some people, their past follows them wherever they go. Wouldn't it be great for somebody to see it for who you are, not for what you did or where you're at, but where you are now? When God speaks your name, He doesn't remember your past. When you come to Him and Faith in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, He cast it away as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered any longer. It doesn't remind you of your sin. It doesn't remind you of your past. Sometimes we come to this, and I'll hear the phrase, well, I don't want to take communion this morning because I'm not worthy. I, none of us are. Not a single one of us in this room are. We were sinners outside of God's amazing grace, and in His grace and His glory came and rescued us and redeemed us. And when we receive him as Savior, he forgives us and wipes it away clean, never to remind us of it again. 
If you're being reminded it's not from God nor of a spirit. Because God wipes the slate clean, invites us to his table. David did this for this little boy. Sent out word to bring him in. They do, they find him, they bring him to David's place and he bows himself on the floor and said, I'm your servant. A lot of fear, obviously, uh, theologians tell us running through the little boy's life and rightfully so, he's not sure exactly how David's going to respond. He only knows what he does. But David's first words were him were, do not be afraid. Our king has been known to stay the same. Do you know that the most repeated command from the lips of Jesus is that phrase, fear not? The command from heaven not to be afraid appears in almost every single book of the Bible. David says the same to this little boy, and he brings him into his family. The name of Phibosheth means he who scatters shame, which is exactly what David wanted to do for this young prince. He refers to him and brings him in, Gives him everything four times over what he may have lost. I'll give you back, David, says, all the land that your grandfather saw. You'll always eat at my table. You will always eat at my table. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as if he were one of the king's son. He lived in Jerusalem, it says again in Samuel, because he always ate at the king's table. Did he understand grace? Absolutely. And hopefully every time you share communion, you understand it as well. We were crippled by the fall, permanently marred by sin, but God in His unbelievable mercy and grace offers us salvation. And not only just salvation, invites us to the banquet table of the King. Very simple elements with profound meaning that offer us life and salvation and forgiveness. We come to this table and receive two simple elements, bread and grape juice, but there's a lot more to it than that. Because when we come to this table, Romans tells us that we are beyond condemnation. There is now no fear for those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 7 says we're delivered from the law. Ephesians says we draw near to God. Colossians says we're delivered from the power of evil. Also tells us in Colossians we're members of God's kingdom. Romans says we're justified. Hebrews says we're perfect. Romans 8 says we've been adopted into his family. Access to God, Ephesians tells us at any moment. Peter said we are part of his priesthood. Hebrews said we'll never be abandoned. Peter said we have an imperishable inheritance. Partners with Christ in all that he has. Members of his body, branches in his vine, stones in his building, bride for the groom, priest in a new generation. The dwelling place of God is with us and in his spirit. Paul tells us in Ephesians in the message, you present or you possess every spiritual blessing possible. In Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. The gift is offered to all. Everything comes from Him. Everything comes through Him. Everything ends up in Him. All glory, honor, and praise. Like a little five-year-old boy crippled from birth, or crippled from the fall, and invited to the banquet table of the king, so are we. And all the blessings and all the benefits of the king are available to us. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is, what he did, and what he offers. That's why we say, every time you do this, remember him. Lest somehow we would ever forget. A few months ago, I had the opportunity of dedicating Julian, our grandson. And as I stood there in a platform that day, and they took him from Eric and Aaron's arms and set him in mine, right before the prayer, I realized that 
It was an adoption. I knew that. But it hit me for that moment is that they made the decision to adopt him knowing all of his flaws and issues. It's one thing to adopt a child that you think is perfect or is going to grow up perfect. They knew what he had and that it may be a lifelong issue, and yet they still made the decision to adopt. And then I thought, that is exactly what God does for us. Knowing all of our flaws and all of our mistakes and all of our issues and all of our stuff, he invites us into his kingdom and adopts us to be one of his children. And I'm an heir of Christ. I'm an heir of the, the blessings of God. And I'm a, a one, as you are as well, when you know Christ is your Savior, able to benefit from all of the benefits of being a son or a daughter of the living God. With all of my stuff and all of my issues and all of my flaws, he adopts me into his family and he calls me his son. That's an incredible gift. This morning you're going to have the opportunity to share communion. And you're going to hold in your hands bread and a cup that are both very simple elements but reminders of God's amazing grace. Scriptures tell us that the Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed in an upper room, gathered together with disciples, took the bread and he broke it, took the cup and he blessed it, and he passed it out among his disciples. He said, this bread is representing my body, which is going to be given for you. I also add on so many occasions that it's a reminder of where we get life from because the world will tell you you get life from a thousand other things. And in this, Jesus very clearly says, you get life from me and me alone. My body is given for you. Every time you hold that, remember me. Lest you'd forget. After supper, he took the cup and he passed it around to his disciples. He said, this cup represents a new covenant. Now the blood is not from a lamb or a bull, but it's from the Son of God. And every time you hold the cup, remember that your sins are washed away. Cast as far away as the east is from the west, never to be reminded anymore. Now here at Community Alliance, we say this is not a, an alliance table. It's just a simple table with two simple elements, but available to all who know Jesus as Savior. So the only requirement is that you know Christ is your Savior. That you received all the amazing grace of God. To be really honest with you, I don't know how anyone would ever refuse that. You get God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's salvation, all the benefits that I shared a moment ago by one simple act, and that is to invite Him into your life. To confess your sins, knowing that you're a sinner, and you know that, and to recognize that He is the only Savior, and you know that as well. And inviting Him into your life and letting Him then live His life out through you, which is, to be honest with you, a whole lot better than trying to live it on your own. There's no way to lose in the gift of God's grace and salvation. The only requirement is that you've done that and you've received Him. Father, these elements are really wonderfully vivid reminders of what grace really looks like. Of what it's like to be loved so much that you would give your life for us. Knowing all of our stuff and our flaws and our problems and our issues and receiving us and offering this unbelievable gift of being called a son or a daughter of the living God. So this morning as we hold these elements, we do want to remember you. I don't know how we would ever forget, but you must have thought we would or you wouldn't have told us to. And so this morning we do remember.
And we come not because it's a day or an event or a weekend. We come and say thank you for this gift of love because it's an outflow of a heart that is full of the blessings of God. So listen to our hearts as we express to you our gratitude and let us listen to you as you express to us your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Communion stores are going to come. They're going to serve you. We're going to ask that you take the bread, take it and, and hand it to the next one to you and let kind of serve each other as we go through here. You hold it so they can take and let them do the same for you. Wait till everyone partakes. The bread is in the middle. The cup is on the outside. And take them both at the same time. Then wait till everyone is served. And then I'll just lead you in a second after that. And then we're just going to sing in celebration at the end of the goodness and greatness of God. In front of you under the Bible or notebooks there is a cup holder. And when we're all said and done, you can place your cup there. And then, as I said a moment ago, we'll finish in singing in celebration.
and do this in memory of him. First the bread and then the cup. Father, as always, the phrase thank you is such a small phrase for such an amazing gift. We're very grateful. We're just delighted that we can come this morning as a family and share this reminder of that grace. So often come to these points and understand why Paul prays so desperately that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we can see the amazing love of God and that we can fully grasp all that's been given to us and offered to us and that we'll be able to always see the height and the depth of your love. And so, Father, we do come this morning to give you praise and adoration. We thank you for your gift of life and for your gift of love and forgiveness. And we acknowledge that this morning as we lift your name high. And we celebrate that fact. Thank you for allowing us to gather together this day in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Going to end in song.